Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Monday, March 28th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Let's talk about consequences. You know, if you've ever had a child, I have a daughter, and I think if I hadn't had a daughter, if I hadn't raised a child, I never would have really understood the impact of consequences. But once you raise a child, you learn really quickly in life that behavior has to have consequences, that without it, there's no incentive for the behavior to be changed, either change for the better or without consequence, change for the worse. As we get older, as we become adults, we know this. We know in our own lives that we experience the consequences of not only our actions, but even the decisions that we make, because everything we decide has a consequence. And then, of course, when we act on our thoughts, when we act on our decisions, we experience those consequences. The absence of consequences for annoying all the way to the other extreme criminal behavior leads to the repeat of that behavior. So today, when I read that a jury for the U.S. District Court in Colorado on Friday found that the Denver police had used excessive force against protesters during that 2020 George Floyd protest period that we went through, and that the jury awarded $14 million in, in their verdict to 12 protesters who had been, I can't say allegedly, because now the jury has ruled, who were harmed by the police behavior. In some instances, it was just a matter of pepper spray. In another instance, it was uh, someone had been shot in the head with uh, not fake bullets, but bullets that are used. I think they have a a metal or an iron, I don't know, some kind of component that does damage. And he was in serious condition. He doesn't have permanent damage, but he was in serious condition from having been so assaulted, as it were, by police action. The decision, there was a week-long trial, and I think there was a four-hour deliberation by the jury to award $14 million to these 12 protesters. So my question is, before I say what my question is, let me say this. If police or anybody else behaves in a way that violates a law, then there should be a consequence. There should be a penal consequence as a result of criminal behavior. Sometimes there's simply a financial consequence as a result of a civil law being violated. But when there's a criminal law violated, it often involves both a financial consequence as well as a penal consequence, as well as being incarcerated for a period of time. In this case, it was a civil jury and it was the award was 14 million. Okay, if the police acted improperly, fine. But what happened to the other side of this coin? What happened to the police and innocent individuals, bystanders, who during those same riots, those post-George Floyd murder riots, when in Portland and Seattle and Denver itself experienced personal injury, there were police who died, 
There were civilians who died. There was, I think, 20 million in property damage alone in Portland or Seattle. I think it was Portland. Where were the consequences for that behavior? Why is it so out of balance that now we are in a mindset where the heavy hand of the law has to come down on anyone who dares to defend against what clearly were not peaceful protests and come down on anyone who attempts to enforce the law as it is currently written? It has to cut both ways. And I've been trying to ask myself, how did we get to where we are? And I think one way to look at it is when a pendulum swings all the way in one direction, before it can come to rest at any kind of equilibrium or balance in the middle, that pendulum has to swing all the way to the opposite side of where it just was. And if you picture the pendulum on a clock, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It goes back and forth and back and forth from one extreme to another. You need a pendulum to come to rest, but it can only do that or come close to rest once it has used up that energy that's caused it to swing all the way in one direction. So maybe that's where we are. Maybe some of the things that we look at now in our culture, in our society, and we say, how did we get here? How in the world do we have biological men competing in women's sports? Why do we have no consequences for rioters and looters, destroyers of personal property and humans? Why are we ashamed because we're white? Why has white privilege become a badge of shame? How did we become suddenly systemic racism shortly after electing the first black president of the United States? How is Israel an apartheid country committing war crimes? which is being, and by the way, being boycotted under the sanction of 80% of the universities in this country, professors who are teaching Middle East studies are endorsing, have endorsed the BDS movement, the boycott, sanction, and divest from Israel movement. How did our greatest ally, the only democracy in the Middle East, become this abhorrent, horrid, dreadful oppressive, apartheid, war criminal, populated country. How did these things happen? Well, I think they may have happened because in all of these categories, maybe we needed correction. But the correction we need, as I said in my prior podcast, has to be done very carefully. Because when you throw everything out, you throw out the good as well as the bad. You don't analyze. You don't prioritize. You aren't selective when you are in a rash state of mind, when you're in a hurry to get something done, when you feel that what you want to accomplish is at your fingertips. Sometimes you cut short the moral or the ethical or even the logical and rational ways of approaching those last few steps of getting where you want to go. I think we're in a period of overreaction. Now, how much of what we're now experiencing is overcorrection and how much of it is pure manipulation? I don't know if you know the name Edward Bernays, but Bernays was a pioneer in the field of public relations and propaganda. He actually was referred to in his obituary as the father of public relations. He was one of, I think, Life Magazine's 
100 Most Influential Americans of the 20th Century. So he seems like someone you ought to know the name about if he so influenced the entire 20th century. Edward Bernays was Sigmund Freud's nephew, and Bernays was a master at using marketing and propaganda to manipulate, which is why he's called the father of public relations. Public relations is also very tied to marketing, and we are, after all, a consumer society, and we are inundated with manipulation by marketing because there's a psychology to manipulation. And I'm going to give you an example. Ask yourself this. Let's assume that you represent the United States in a negotiation with me. And I offer you a deal. And I say this to you. I'll give you a technological invention, a breakthrough that will increase your country's wealth, make you more productive, and make your lives much more fun. The only thing I want in return in this negotiation is that you let me come in every year and take 40,000 of your people at random and kill them. Would you take the deal? Well, if you said no, you're too late because in fact, you already took the deal. It's your car. That's called framing the effect. You can frame something in a way that causes a person to make a specific decision, which is not necessarily the decision that's in their highest and best interest, but it's a decision that was basically imposed upon them by nature of how cleverly the facts were crafted and presented. It's called the framing effect. And what it is, it's a cognitive bias that leads us to make choices in different ways, depending on how the information is presented. And it happens in politics all the time. Pro-abortion versus pro-life. Illegal versus undocumented. How you frame the situation, how you present the facts, even how you use language, what words you choose, all of that influences how someone will respond, react, and choose to what's in front of them. Now, let's take and add to that the pressure of social media and all the data mining about us by tech and government. I don't think we've ever been more vulnerable to manipulation. So what's the cure? Well, I think you have to get off the merry-go-round. I think we all have to get off the merry-go-round. And I'm not delusional. I know it's not easy. We are creatures of habit. We like convenience and luxury and ease. And we have become addicted to the technology which has enhanced the speed and the ease and the luxury at which we obtain knowledge and through which we obtain materiality. I mean, look at Amazon. Everything gets delivered to your door. You don't have to go out and shop anymore. You don't have to go to stores and socialize with people and talk to strangers and do all the things you would normally do if you were out there shopping for yourself. No, an anonymous person drops a box at your door and voila, there's the material thing that you wanted and needed. Maybe not needed as much as wanted. We have to get off the merry-go-round. Some people have started with trading in their iPhones for flip phones. 
you know, getting rid of the smartphones to get back to the dumb phones, so to speak. They're not. And again, I don't I don't even want to use that word because there I am framing perfect example, framing it. Why would I want to be using something dumb when I can be using something smart? The problem is that smart technology has made us stupid. It has made us stupid and it has made us lazy. And maybe their words that are rightfully used for us to wake us up to what we have been seduced into. The smartphones, the smart technology, the smart refrigerator, the Wi-Fi, the everything that infringes upon your privacy robs you of your privacy. So we have to begin to do some things. We have to begin to hold people accountable and impose or demand consequences for behavior, whether it's our children, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's our local politicians, whether it is state politicians, national politicians, whether it is the executives of tech companies, we have to begin to say, this is not okay with me. You know, I had a funny thing happen yesterday. I want to switch, as I now talk about Wi-Fi, I wanted to switch uh, providers. And I currently have, I forget who I have locally in Texas. But anyway, I was going to switch to Spectrum. So I called Spectrum. I set up the, the appointment for the switchover. And when the young woman who was the representative finished writing up the order for the Wi-Fi, she said, you know, we have a new package and it includes your cell phone. It can even give you a landline and it's a flat fee for the month and one thing and another. And she told me how much it was. And she said, yes, we're partnering with Verizon. And I said, cancel the order. And she said, what? And I said, cancel the order. I'm not interested. And she said, well, you just want the Wi-Fi? I said, no, I don't want any of it. And she said, why? And I said, because Verizon contributes heavily to Planned Parenthood. And Planned Parenthood is basically a eugenicist organization founded by eugenicists, and it is primarily an abortion mill. And I'm not interested in giving money any place where it winds up knowingly at a cause that I so vehemently protest and feel strongly about. So, yes, I still have Wi-Fi and I'll be using someone else. And so I'm not yet there where I'm ready to disconnect the computer or else how in the world would I get to you to do these podcasts? But I did stand up for something. I did stand up for something I believed in. And so now I have to find another provider and it's a little more inconvenient. And now I have to do a little more homework, but I feel so good about myself. I'm proud. I'm, oh, maybe that's not the right word. I'm satisfied. I feel good about myself because, oh, and by the way, she said, huh, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to look into that. (laughs) So maybe I just cost Spectrum an employee. I don't know. And I don't really care. I would love it if she stood up for what she believed in. And if that meant she had to go work for a different internet provider, so be it. We have to make quality of life decisions for ourselves. And we have to reestablish local community. It's very important. Now, I like to say, in all honesty, I'm sort of a hermit of sorts. And maybe that's not even the right word, but I'm an introvert. Let's put it that way. That's a better framing of the issue. I'm an introvert. I get my energy from going within. I get drained when I'm in public and I'm with others for too long. And yet I've come to know the importance of community 
because we are social animals. We are social beings, these homo sapiens that we are, and we need one another. Otherwise, we'd all be on a singular planet by ourselves. We're here together for a reason. And so try to reestablish community, whether it's literally your neighborhood community or it's just a community of like-minded people in your general geographic region, not on the internet. Real live people in person. Try to reestablish. I'm just beginning to organize my community, my neighborhood, so that we all know the master list of all our names and phone numbers, how to reach one another, emails, so that we all know what assets and services we can provide for one another should we find ourselves in an emergency situation of any type where we would be confined to our community and be unable to communicate with the outside world so we become somewhat self-sustaining, self-sufficient, and so that we become our own first responders. It's just something I think we all have to start very close to home. And the closest to home you can get is to start with yourself. So go within, as I often talk about in my podcasts, go within, trust yourself, trust yourself that you can go within, that when you go there, you will connect with your creator and trust that connection to your creator. Maybe this week, at some point, as you're about to Google, instead of Googling, go Godding. (laughs) Go godding, as I like to say. Take the same time you'd spend aimlessly on your phone or on the internet and go get quiet. Sit down someplace, ask some serious questions about yourself and your life, and then get very quiet and listen. You'll be shocked, if not the first time, the second, or the third, at the wealth of useful information that's in your highest and best interest that will become available to you as you go godding. I'm Carol Gold. Thank you for listening. I'll be back here again on Wednesday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.